Welcome to the Brunch and Slay podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration. Well, we remember that if she can, I can, we all can. I'm your host, Amira Sain, founder of Brunch and Slay, a lifestyle brand created to inspire women to live their best life every day. All right. Welcome back to the show. Now, many of you who listen are speakers. I've heard plenty of you speak. I've seen your flyers and your timeline. But then I know that there's some folks who are listening right now who still have doubts, still have questions about how to truly launch their speaking career, which is why I'm so happy to have today's guest on the show. Elisa Reed is a woman who is out here elevating the speaking realm as we know it. If you want to know the number one secret to getting booked, then you better keep listening, stay tuned, grab a pen and paper and get ready to be schooled because she is the woman who helps speakers get booked and stay booked. Okay, let's just put a period right there. <laughs> and help me welcome to the show, Miss Lisa Reed. Hello. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Amir. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you. You know, good energy begets good energy, right? You got it. You got it. <laughs> now, we, we chatted just briefly before the show because I didn't want to spoil anything. Now, I'm always interested in the before, the during, and the after, right? So let's take it back. And I want to know your story and how you even discovered your passion for speaking. Were you always a chatty Cathy like me? Or did, is this something that you bloomed into? Talk me through this process of getting to here. I was definitely always a chatty Kathy. Uh, in fact, I remember my family would say, Lisa, we can hear you, like, you know, kind of keep it down. So I I already have a naturally loud voice. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> if you feel me, I get that. You know, like, um, there's nothing wrong with that. You can make a lot of money having a loud voice. And, uh, and I was always interested in teaching. So it wasn't so much just like, oh, I want to be a speaker. It was really a teaching. And that's how my speaking style is. It's very facilitation style. When I was little taking gymnastics, I want to be a gymnastics teacher. When I was in elementary school, I want to be a kindergarten teacher. When You know what I mean? It was always like uh, the next thing. And I ended up getting my bachelor's and master's degree in speech communication, but it wasn't for to become a speaker. It was because I just really loved the the study of communication on a one-to-one -one basis, not like mass communications, but like, you know, I statements and taking responsibility and checking in people's perceptions and all the just conflict management, all that stuff was fascinating to me. And I ended up teaching at Cal State Fullerton. I'm in, I'm in Orange County, California, and that's a university in, in Orange County. And I taught there while I was in grad school and I loved it. And then I finished grad school and I'm like, hmm, so what do I do now? Like, how am I, <laughs> can someone pay me to be a speech communicator, please? You know, it just wasn't, it didn't tie at that time. This is back in the nineties. It didn't tie into like a job that was clear. So I ended up in sales and I would do, anytime I was in sales, it was like, I want to educate people. I want to help people. It's got to be something I believe in. And I would always find a way to beat the trainer. I'm like, you know what? I've perfected this system. I figured out the software, whatever it was. I'd be like, I'm writing a training manual and I'm going to teach everybody. And they were like, you're so amazing at this. So it just, again, it was always like in the background, following, following, following. And it wasn't until I was 40 years old that I actually was hired to be a speaker. So this is to give anyone out there who's thinking, 
it's too late, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too shy, I'm too whatever, that that's not, that's just an excuse in your head, that's not real. And I was hired by a personal development company to speak and, and use speaking as a way to fill their workshops and get clients. And then I would teach those workshops and I filled 10 workshops a year, 30 people in a workshop about, and just kept doing that over and over again through speaking. Literally, that was my way of, of filling those workshops. And so that's, that's some of the version of the story. Right. No, I love it. You know, <laughs> you know why I always ask that some version of that question? Because I like to think about the journey, right? A large part of getting to this successful place where you're now on podcast and, you know, people have these thriving businesses and we see all that and that's great, right? You know, you talk about that on every other podcast, you write about it in your book, but what's the nitty gritty? Like what were those crumbs that we overlooked that we played around in too long? And I hope that sometimes some of those little, I guess, um, arrows that are pointing us in the direct, right direction kind of resonate with other people, right? Because I'm a natural talker too, right? It seems like a no-brainer for everybody who knows me all my life that I would have a podcast. Whereas I was a person who was dead set against this type of thing. So I understand in that, that internal, you know, fight, right? Absolutely. Uh, you, you major in speech communications, but you don't want to necessarily be a speaker. But yeah. at the same time, you clearly are a speaker, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's the tough part, but that's the human part in us because our journeys, and I love that you were 40, right? I love that part because a lot of times we think, it's too late for me. My kids, it's all about them now. Man, forget those kids. They're going to make their own. They're going to make their own. They're going to grow up eventually. Right? They're going to be gone. What are you going to have yeah. to do? What are you going to do when they turn 10 and don't want you anymore? Because they're not going to be up under you for very long. So you better have a plan B and an exit strategy, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. So you start talking, right? And you, and you begin to teach workshops, which I love too, because I love interactive speaking. I can't stand to be preached to, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So you start interacting, interactive speaking and you're, you're making a living at this point. When do you decide that? Wait a minute. How long? Well, I'll, I'll say this. How long did it take you? Because you already had a natural knack for figuring out the systems, right? And how to, how to navigate them. When did you decide that those 10 weren't enough and you wanted to go to the 500 plus that you've landed at now? When did, when did that, that happen? Yeah, it wasn't, it was, it was a gradual, I think, I think one of my secret superpowers is consistency. And, you know, people expect, oh, I want to speak on 500 stages or what it's like, well, you just like anything it's one at a time. I mean, you can't do it all at the same time. So it was like the first year I was a speaker, I booked over 80 speaking engagements. And this is what I call an ignorance on fire moment, right? Like this is, this is, okay, you want me to speak? All right, I'll get out there and do it. I'll call whoever, do whatever. I mean, I just hit the ground running. And I am a fan of ignorance on fire versus perfection on ice any day of the week. You know, you could sit there and worry about it being perfect and get nothing done. And I just was like, I'm going for it. I know I'm probably going to make mistakes. That's okay. We're just going to keep moving. And that's what I always do. It, even now with the experience I have, it doesn't mean every single speaking engagement is a home run, but my odds are a lot better now <laughs> than they were before. Uh, so it's just, it's like, don't give up. So what had happened, what had happened was back in, so I started speaking in 2013 and I founded a group called the OC Speakers Network. So I would, you know, it was a meeting we would have in person and 
I was like, hang out with other speakers and learn and teach and all that. And people were always asking me, how'd you do it? How'd you get so many speaking days? What'd you do? What'd you do? What'd you do? And I was like you, I was kind of like, I, I don't, I don't have time to tell you this right now. Like I'm doing my own thing. I, I, so I get that those little breadcrumbs are there, but I'm ignoring them. I'm like stepping over them, swiping them out of the way, not even seeing anything. I'm just like, I've got a job to do. I can't be time. I don't have time to teach you anything. And then I don't know, like the 70th time someone asked me, I was on the phone with this guy and he's like, so tell me about your speaking business. And I'm like, well, I don't have one. And I hung up, you know, we're nice. You know, thanks for asking, but I don't have one. So I hung up and I said to myself, Lisa, that is it. That's the last time. You're not ever saying that again. Cause as of right now, doors are open. Like doors are open today. <laughs> I was like, finally got the message. Boom. Hit on my head. And that was, so it was like, I was doing it for about four years before I finally realized that other people could really, really benefit from what I was doing. And again, I love that because you weren't ready. Right. You know, sometimes people will get in your amen corner and they see the light in you. It's it's all positive. It's all intentional. It's all a part of the plan, because sometimes we have to hear things multiple times. Right. Why do you think pastors still preach the same sermons over and over again? The Bible (laughs) is the same Bible that it was back then. Right. (laughs) Like I said that last week, you're like, well, I didn't. Yeah. And I use that example because repetition, you know, it, it creates confidence. Right. And so looking at that first year where you had 80 speaking engagements and you were just hitting the ground running and that's the best. I get that advice from everybody. Just keep doing it. Get out there, get comfortable until it becomes second nature. It's about that 10,000 hours, right? Mm -hmm. Before you are an expert. Right. Um, And so you're getting these breadcrumbs and, you know, somebody finally says it at the right time and the right place and you receive it. Yep. That's what happens. Right. And the rest is history. And now here you are. 500 plus speaking engagements later and now teaching the masses how to get their feet wet and then jump deep, deep into the ocean of speaking. Yes. Right. So this pandemic, can we talk about that? What pandemic? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Right. Let's talk about that pivot because yeah, I right. know the world of speaking has changed in a lot of ways for the better. I would Absolutely. think the virtual world is opening up doors for conferences that couldn't afford to fly people in. Right. A million percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about it. Yeah. I have a talk. It's called like book your virtual talk like a boss. And this, the big secret is like, just do it the same way you would have done it before. You know, it's, it's all the same stuff for the most part, except for you're not, you don't have to deal with a projector and a screen and a rental car and a hotel and a getting there and traffic. You're, all that's eliminated. You just click on the, you know, power button and, and you're good to go. So, and the other, just like you alluded to, all of a sudden, no borders. You know, if you are a person who uh, has been only speaking locally and you want to become a national speaker, guess what? Just speak in the state, some other state. It doesn't even matter which one. Pick, pick a state. Who do you know? You got to know somebody in another state, right? So call them up. And then if you want to be an international speaker, well, there's lots of opportunities there too. You don't have to speak another language. There's lots of countries speak, speak English. So pick a, pick a place. I, I chose Canada because I thought, well, that's the easiest one in terms of language and time for time zone, right? Um, if I spoke Spanish, I would be trying to get a gig in Mexico in a heartbeat, right? I just don't speak Spanish very well. So it might've been a little odd for me to, 
to approach them, you know? So you got to use your smarts. You got to, <laughs> you go with your strengths, use your smarts, but you can literally become an international speaker without any money out, you know, no, or fees for them, for them to have to pay you. Yeah. So let's talk about the toolkit. Because oftentimes, you know, we all do it. Sometimes we put the cart before the horse and we're ready and we are naturally good at certain things. But in order to be taken seriously, right, you want to be prepared. And this is where that consistency meets presentation, Absolutely. for lack of better words, right? So can we talk about um, what people should have ready? Those who are out here already, maybe they've done a couple of talks or speeches and they aren't consistently booking and there probably are some holes in their process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I, I call it the five gotta haves. The five gotta haves in, in to be a speaker, uh, and I'll, I'll just list them off. One, professional headshot. And I'm telling you, if you haven't had one lately, time to update that. And I can even go into a whole thing about your maximizing and leveraging your photo shoot, but I'm but just for now, I'm gonna keep it at, you need to have at least a professional headshot. Number two, you have to have a bio. Again, this is not a novel. I don't need to hear your entire life story. You could do this in like five sentences. Again, I go back to the done is better than perfect. Let's get this thing out of it. It doesn't take months to write your bio, so you got to get that done. Number, now the three, four, and five tips all coincide together. And this is going to sound super obvious, but I book speakers, as you do as well, probably on your show. Uh, I book speakers for my speakers event, so I know that not everyone has this. That's why I talk, that's why I talk about these things. What is the talk title that's attractive and makes sense? It can't be so esoteric the person's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you got to make, it has to make sense, okay? It can be clever, but not so clever that people are confused. Number two, you need to have a talk description. And I do this thing, it's like a a Mad Libs method. If you're, you know, a child of the '80s, you know what Mad Libs are. <laughs> you like fill in the, fill in the words. Again, we we need to get that taken care of so that the person who's booking you can go. Oh yeah, that talk would be really good for my audience, right? Oh yeah, that makes sense. And then the third thing is three to five learning. I'm sorry, it's it's the fifth thing, but is three to five learning points. What is the audience going to get? What are the results? You will learn this, whatever. And those have to be copywritten. It can't just be like reciting your entire talk. It needs to be like smart and quick and short, but captivating, right? So it sounds super easy, but that's probably the hardest part. And when you have those five things, and I'll repeat it again, the the photo, the the professional headshot, your bio, your title, your description, your learning points, when you have those five things, you're good. Like you don't need to have a fancy tech system, an automated system, a fancy video reel, all this technology and equipment. Eventually you can add all that stuff, add it all, but you don't need that to start. I think that's great advice, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you and I can all, I can honestly tell you guys that that works because the first thing I saw when looking at Lisa's speaker sheet, right, or her one pager that her booking agency sent me was the number one secret to getting booked. You'll walk away knowing that. That stood out more than any of her credentials, more than anything else. It was like, what is in this for my audience? What are they going to learn? Because I'm not into wasting our time, right? And this is something that we all can gravitate to who are out here, whether you're public speaking. For me, some of the tips are relevant, whether you're just doing presentations at work. Right. That confidence comes in when you do have things like a great LinkedIn bio photo. Right. You can start there or within your industry. It doesn't have to always be uh, this grand vision of Mm -hmm. a stadium, you know, and packing out the place, which I for those of you who want that. Hey, I am 
praying you receive it. I am sending it out. <laughs> but for those who just want to gain credentials, right? Because speaking gives you credibility. It's great for in, in today's world. It's so great because we all should be working on our personal brand, right? Mm-hmm. Because as we have learned over the last mm-hmm, months, because of the world falling upside Things down. Change. Things change rapidly and technology is changing. And I am excited to see, I think we're in the the beginning phases of what technology will be like as far as meetings and things after the pandemic, because the pandemic and the world shutting down forced so many people who were resistant to video conferences and things of that nature to become okay with it. So I would think experts are going to be reached out to no matter what. So you better stay ready because if you're good at what you do, the the speaking folks are looking, the the organization presidents and speaking bookers are looking for people, fresh talent. Right. And and, and I would think you just need to kind of stay ready so you don't have to get ready. You know, that's just exactly. that's how we live. <laughs> I would use like the metaphor of like the, like I consider the speaking gig, like a, like a race. Like if you're going to, if you want to be a runner, which I am not, but if you, (laughs) but I know people who run, right. So (laughs) you have to have shoes. You have to know where the race is going to be. You have to have whatever uniform they need to, you know, you have to enter the race. There's maybe paperwork you got to fill up. So it's the same thing with speaking gigs. Like you need to have your stuff ready to enter the race. Or if you were single and want to be in a relationship and you don't have any room in your closet or you know you're on a twin bed well you got to make room for that person to come into your life just like just like anything so you got to pave the way so that you're ready to go when someone says hey are you a speaker or you're ready to go I'm a speaker and the first question someone's going to ask you is oh cool what do you speak on and if you go uh <laughs> if you don't know then that's not how you want to show up you want to show up no, with, with that answer no, it's not. not at all so as you know, you are out here educating the masses and helping people. Let's talk about your processes. Are you working with people individually or will it all be workshops or classes? How can someone who's listening, who feels like I like her energy, I'd like to know more. How can they work with you? What, what are the tiers that are available? Um, they can go on get speaking gigs, gigs with a S gigs now.com. And there's, there's, a description of my academy. So my favorite, favorite program to teach and lead people through is called the Get Speaking Gigs Now Academy uh, Gold Level. And that's where we do a three-month incubation and we get everything dialed in so that you know uh, you got your speaker sheet done, you got your talk done, you've got your prospecting figured out, like who am I supposed to call? Who am I supposed to go? How do I get these warm leads coming in? How do I get booked all the time without having a cold call and cold email because no one wants to do that? And what do you say? What do you say in an email? What do you say on the phone? And how do you make it easy? So we, so we go through all those processes. We also talk about monetization, of course. You want to really have, a, this is probably where most people get the most stuck, is what are they going to say? And then how are they going to make money doing it? So we have a whole session on monetization. How do you, I even call it the monetization menu. Like how do you pick which things you want to bring up in your talk to fit the appropriate venue? Like everyone's got different rules. And so you want to, not be taken off guard. You want to have a plan. How does this make sense for my business? So we'll do that. No, I love that. And and I like that you kind of meet people where they are as far as there's, there's different places. And so when you think about your ideal, I guess, client, who, what, who are you looking for? Who, who do you want to work with? Who lights you up? 
I love, love working with activators, people who are like, I'm kind of stuck, but as soon as you help me guide me, I'm, I'm like a bullet, you know, like I'm out of there. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And I love people who uh, take that action quickly because then they see the results a lot quicker, right? I also work with heart-centered people uh, that tend to just be attracted to me. So it's not just for like, oh, I'm getting into speaking so I can make a lot of money. We'd like you to make a lot of money, but it's really usually the people who I work with are more um, inspired by helping people and making a bigger impact. Like they know they have a solution that if only more people knew about it, they could then help more people. And that's typically the main driver. And then the money is the nice side effect of sharing your message. Yeah. I think a lot of people run into that. When do they start charging and what's a healthy price? Because, you know, you work, I've dealt with this. I've had people ask for me to pay them to be on the podcast, which is not happening. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and not at this point and, and, and where we are and, and where I feel, you know, our audience, what they want, but I know that there are people who do it. And, you know, a lot of times people only want to come when they want to publicize something. Right. i as a marketer, I believe you should always be publicizing whether you have a new book out or not. Uh, there's always some audience that doesn't know you unless your name is Queen B, you know, right, Beyonce. Right. Yeah. Keep working. If you're not Oprah or Beyonce, I haven't heard of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I am so in agreement. It's like, I don't have a speaking schedule. I'm like, well, when, when do you want me to be there? And if I'm available, we'll make it happen. You know, assuming, you know, all the things are correct, you know, that it works for, for the audience and it's a win-win for everybody. But I, it goes back to that consistency thing. Like, just don't stop. You keep going. Okay. Maybe if that one didn't go well, keep going, learn more, keep, go to the next one and, and tweak until you find your rhythm. And of course, you know, having expert help does increase your odds of success. Of course. More brunch and slay after this. I heard a nasty room another day and it was someone saying that email marketing is dead. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's not. I know a lot of us tend to fall in love with social media and it's a great place to be and it's awesome for interacting with new people. But one thing about social media is that you don't own it. What you do own is your email list. As a matter of fact, during COVID-19, over $4 billion were made through email marketing. Yep, that's right, $4 billion. Email marketing helps you reach your audience over 122% more times than just social media alone. And as a matter of fact, when it comes to my email marketing needs, there's only one brand I trust, and that's myemailmedic.com. Head on over to myemailmedic.com to get all the tricks and tips and campaigns and templates that you need to help your brand elevate. Use code brunch and slay to get 10% off of all your templates and email marketing needs. And when you get there, tell them Amira sent you. That's myemailmedic.com. And now back to brunch and slay. Yeah, you know, I'm a firm believer in seeking counsel. We can't be great at everything. It's just simple as that. Michael Jordan still needed a coach, y'all. That's right. LeBron still goes to practice. <laughs> well, and yeah, exactly. And and also, I think when we're, it's cl- it's something that's super close to us. It's our stuff. It's our knowledge. And um, we, we have a hard time knowing like how much should someone know? Like I have so much to share. I got to tell them everything. And that's actually usually like a big mistake speakers will make. It's like, no, you got to dial it back. They can't take that fire hose of information. You only have a half an hour. You're not going to like teach them 20 years of experience in a half an hour. You like, we got to give them a little bit of a taste that's enough to where they feel satiated and want more, but not so much that I call it like, don't Thanksgiving dinner, your, your audience, right? Like you don't want them to be stuffed past out on the couch. 
Right now, the women who listen to this show are powerhouses, period. You know, these are women who own their own space and we've all experienced some major setbacks. So one of the things I'm really interested in knowing about folks this season is how you handle those moments when you didn't see it coming. Right. Especially as it pertains to your industry and your livelihood. Right. Um, I've had moments where I like when I was laid off six months pregnant, really didn't see I, I had some inklings that I wasn't happy, but I didn't necessarily think they would do it six months pregnant. Right. Didn't see it. coming. <laughs> so give me an example, if you can, of a time when you just didn't see it coming and how it worked out for the better, how you use that bad time to become the good time. Well, I think in a way, I guess like a million examples I can think of, um, but I'm just trying to think of one pertaining to speaking right now. There was a time where I had, I finished a, a speaking engagement and I didn't get any clients and I didn't get, it was just like one of those ones where I thought, oh, geez, that was a disaster, right? And so I, I had the benefit, and this is what I, one of the things I love doing with my clients too, because it's, it's like the unsexy side of speaking that no one knows. Like it's those little tiny things that you don't even realize are so powerful. But I would debrief with somebody on my team um, every, every single talk that I gave. And so I'd come back and I'm like, okay, well, what was it? Who was it? The, what was the, where did you think it was starting to go wrong? Did you notice it at the time? What did you notice? What was going on? You know, really getting like fine tuned down into that. And what I realized out of that particular debrief, there's been a lot of them, but it just one come, came to mind is that this person in the audience reminded me of somebody in my, uh, you know, history and we all have that person, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I got triggered by that person's being, right? And which is no fault of hers. I, you know, she's doing her. But that's something that I can then now be aware of next time and go, oh, I'm getting into this. And I'll even tell you the dynamic. It's like, I'm looking for approval from someone who's never going to give it to me. And so then I give all my attention to that person and forget about everybody else. And then I start coming from a place of like, desperation, which is so not where I want to be as a speaker, right? Like, I don't want to be on that spot. So it was, it was a really, it was a powerful, like, uh, it was a painful lesson, but dang, I now I can spot that person a mile away. And I'm like, oh, I, I get it. I, I see that trap I could walk right into. Not today. No, no, no. <laughs> not today. It does not matter if they like me. <laughs> I love that example. You know, as soon as you started thinking about it, I thought of several more that we could kind of resonate with folks. You know, here's a great one. Um, social media, right? Instead of going after those likes you don't have, cater to the ones you do. Like we oftentimes feel like, what am I doing wrong? You're not doing anything wrong. The people who want you are going to love you and be your advocates. They're going to be your cheerleaders. And again, for the hundredth time, we don't own those algorithms. They will change. Your audience will change. This is why you have to own your own space. That's a whole nother episode. But that came to mind when you said that, because I think that is something that truly resonates too with people. And, and I want them to kind of think about areas in our lives where we've done that. Who hasn't got a new coworker or someone or run into a guy, you won't give them a chance or, or because they remind you of someone you dated in the past or a person you couldn't stand in high school. Or, you know, I've literally had people say Someone told me once, I don't like you so much because you remind me of my sister and she's not very nice. Oh, <laughs> mind you, dad didn't know anything about me. I hadn't offended them yet anyway, <laughs> other than my, <laughs> not the way I looked, I guess. But I, I, I know that sometimes 
our triggers and traumas will limit our growth. Absolutely. Right. And being aware of them, which is what you you did such an excellent thing. The after action review, those are so important to our growth. Having someone who will tell you the truth about when things go downhill. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And right? I think that's what's missing for a lot of speakers. They're literally it's it's weird because it's a it's it's an individual sport. But you don't think it's an individual sport because the speaker is like speaking all these people. But you're you're alone up on stage. I mean, maybe you're on a panel. But if you are the one speaking, you are doing it. You are speaking. And so a lot of times speakers are planning everything on their own, trying to come up with their talk on their own, coming up with their offer on their own. And that is and then debriefing on their own. So you could drive, be driving or, you know, so let's say now virtual turn off your computer and think, wow, that didn't go how I thought it was going to go. What? What happened? I don't know. I thought it was great. I thought it was amazing. I did everything I was supposed to, right? That's not a that's not an honest evaluation. Something happened. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Something you happened. You gotta you gotta be okay with that. That's a part of it too. You have to be okay with feedback. We have to all get comfortable and do it in small doses. If that means just saying, you know, does this hair color look good? Does lipstick, whatever <laughs> it is you can handle, start there. But feedback is what is the difference between your Oprah and Beyonce status. Let me tell you. And I'm using those examples because, I mean, who, what woman doesn't think that they have, even if you don't like their music or their talking talk show, you got to respect, you know, the consistency and and what they've built. Right. Absolutely. Um, You know, I I, I joke because I watched Homecoming, Beyonce's show on Netflix a couple of weekends ago. Just, I don't even know why I watched it again, but when I saw the critical ways, meaning how she gives herself self-critiques, not necessarily self-harm or self-hate, but you know when it's not right. You know it and you're going to do it till it gets right. She doesn't have to do that at this point in her career. She could have just sung six, 10 songs and left Coachella and people would have been just as happy. But to be committed enough to power through the uncomfortable weight from the baby and, and the uncomfortable conversations with somebody listening to your speech and literally watching you take a nosedive, right? And knowing that you got to get this feedback, maybe that means you got to make sure you have a cocktail with you when you get it, whatever it takes. <laughs> but we have to be always looking for greatness. So I love that. Now, Lisa, okay, this Saturday, you can brunch with anyone in the world that are alive. Who are you brunching with? Oh my gosh. Oh, it can be more than one. Oh my gosh. Um, can I, I'll, I'll take Eddie Vedder, the lead singer from Pearl Jam. Ah, okay. <laughs> I love rock music. Or? Um, you know, I, he's the first person that came to mind. I, I, my husband is aware that I have a few boyfriends and Eddie Vedder is one of them. <laughs> I, I, hey, I understand that, right? Those are the people like no questions asked. Hey, I'm, I'm, <laughs> No questions asked. <laughs> you don't need to do I just can eat lunch with them. That's fine. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. So now, you know, one of the things that's so important to me because you pour into us, right? And you you share your tips and you you give us guidance. What vibes and prayers can we send your way to help you along your journey to pour back into you just as much as you've given us? Wow. What a great question. You know, that's so funny. I'm very rarely at a loss for words. Um, I just welcome any love that you send. I, I accept love in all ways and high vibrations, high love, success. If there's someone that you know who is starting becoming a speaker and they're just not sure where to start, 
have them listen to this episode and you're welcome to connect them to get speaking gigs now. That's an easy one. Yeah, that is. And every, and you know why it's so easy? Because I know a billion people trying to speak. Like I, And maybe it's just the realm I'm in, but I know tons of folks who do banquets and all types of things. And I think, number one, you got the love. So I'm sending it. I'm sprinkling, oh, thank you. Thank sprinkling you. that love on you. <laughs> uh, especially in Orange County. That's like one of my favorite parts of California. So, you know, um, I'm sending it your way because you're doing work that we need. Right. It's confidence building. It's making the world a better place because there's nothing like a good talk to motivate you. Right. That's why people are listening now. That's why you love podcasts, because there's something in it just for you and you don't have to share it with anyone else. So thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing yourself and those five go to tips for one. Those were some great starting points, guys. So make sure you clip that part of the show and be sure when you listen to this and you find a part that you really like, tag Lisa and I. Let us know so that we can keep giving you more of what you want and what's working for you. Now, Lisa, where can they follow you? How can they support you? Oh, they can go on to LinkedIn. Um, my name is spelled L-E-I-S-A-R-E-I-D. So there's an E-I and an E-I right there. And uh, that's the quickest, that's the best way because Facebook, I get tons of requests. And I sometimes I, if I don't know you, I might not. <laughs> I might not know if I should accept you. So, and then you can always go to getspeakinggigsnow.com and there's a whole bunch of goodies on there for speakers, speaker resources and stuff. And then I was going to share that number one secret yes. too was what is it? What? it is network with other speakers. I'll keep it quick. Network with other speakers because they already know. They already know who to call. They already know who to talk to. They already know about the event. Make them your BFF and see if you can't develop that relationship. Excellent advice. Iron always sharpens iron. Wow. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah. Now, as you all are listening to this and you're driving, you're working out, or you're just laying in a good bubble bath, which I definitely understand, (laughs) just remember that if she can, I can, we all can. This is Brunch and Slay. Bye.